if the Pharisees knew anything, which they didn't. And the question was, how can David, the son of David, be his Lord? And it's because Jesus Christ was incarnate from the line of David and yet was God. That's what this verse refers to. Let's keep reading. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way, therefore he will lift up his head. Now, now we're ready to go to Hebrews 7 and start trying to figure all this out. Now, Let's look at the first three verses of seven. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham on his return from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. All right, this is referring to Genesis. Notice two titles, King of Salem and High Priest of the Most High God. To which... He gave a tithe, or he shared a tithe from everything. Abraham shared a tithe from everything. First translated, king of righteousness, then king of Salem, that is, king of peace. Without father, without mother, without recorded genealogy, no beginning of days, no end of life. Having been created like the Son of God, he remains priest continually. Now, all right. Melchizedek in Hebrew would be translated king of righteousness. 
Bel is king. Zedak is righteousness. Okay? But he's also called the king of Salem. What we have in Hebrews is a fuller description of what God is saying in Psalm 110.4, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He describes what the name means, what does order of mean, and what does eternity mean. Now, before we can begin to understand this, we have to understand how important genealogies were in the ancient world. And you've read many of the genealogies in Scripture at various places. They are important because they defined people. Okay? They defined their place in their family. They defined their place in society. They defined their responsibility to others. They defined their ownership of property. And ultimately, their inheritance. Okay? So your genealogy in the 12 tribes of Israel meant who you were, where you would live in the promised land, and how much land you would receive based on the genealogy. They were very important in that day. They defined who you were. Melchizedek is different. He is not defined by any human genealogy. He is defined by the divine decree. Who he was is defined by the divine decree. Two things about him. He's the king of Salem, and he is the priest of the Most High God. He blesses, he blesses Abram after the battle. God gave Abram the victory over these kings with 318 guys, and he blesses him after the battle. That's not normal. Usually the blessing came before the battle, but he blesses them afterwards. Because he recognizes, Abraham recognizes in the blessing that God is the one that gave him the victory. And 
when he blesses Abraham, he is recognizing Melchizedek as the priest of the Most High God who gave Abram the victory. Now, hopefully this will all make sense in a while. If you look at blessing in the Old Testament and elsewhere, you find that people are almost always blessed because they have faith. Okay? And Abraham here has faith in God. Now... He brings peace because he is the king of righteousness. Don't interpret this as a political position. He brings peace by calling right and wrong and blessing those in a positive way who do right. It is not a political position. Now, we can understand all that. Where we really start to have problems is when it says that Melchizedek had no father, no mother, no written genealogy, no beginning of days, and no end of life. Now, so we've got somebody here that's, by description, eternal. Um, no human uh, connections we automatically want to compare this to the priesthood of Levi. Those were the priests of Israel. But that was by decree of God and by human descent. If you were a descendant of the tribe of Levi, you were in the priestly tribe. It was all by human genealogy. Okay? But Melchizedek has no human genealogy. The only one who he is like and it says it. He was made in the likeness of the Son of God. Now, he was made in the likeness of Son of God. He was not before the Son of God. He was made in the likeness of the Son of God. And because of the word likeness, it's this is, this is the, the defining point. Up until then, 
there are those who want to say Melchizedek was the pre-incarnate Son of God come to earth. But this verse won't allow that because he was made in the likeness of the Son of God, not he was the Son of God. So he is a priest. The Son of God is the archetype for this guy. Okay? The archetype for this guy, made in his likeness, a priest without interruption. There is no mention of his retirement or his death. His priesthood is a sign. It's a sign of the priesthood of Jesus Christ that would never end. That's what it's pointing to. It's a sign and a token of the eternal priesthood of Jesus Christ. That still doesn't tell us who Melchizedek was. And we will never know this side of heaven. He is not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. It says he didn't die. I want to meet this guy when we get up there. But that's all it says about him. That's all it says about him. Now, there's more said about him in the next few verses. We begin at 7 4. Well, first let me stop there and see if there are any questions that are answerable. Mark, you know you're going to ask one that can't be answered. Yes. Yes. We would assume so because Abraham saw him and actually gave a tithe to him. He wasn't some spirit or... Um, ghostly appearance. He was a real person. Yes. 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 No. This is it. Yes. No, it's a totally different word. Totally different. Totally different. So we have a person who shows up. Abraham immediately recognizes him as a priest of the Most High God. And in slaughtering all these kings, gives a tithe of all he had to this person. So it's like meeting a total stranger and giving him a tenth of everything you own. 
okay? Everything you own. There's nothing that says he's sinful. There's nothing that says he is a sinful person. Yes. Well, angels were not made like the Son of God. Angels were completely different. Yes. Yes, we're getting there. Number four. See how great this man, see he's called a man, Mark. This man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of his spoils. All right. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. Okay, So the tribe of Levi descended from Abraham. The Levites were commanded in the book of Numbers to collect the tithes from the people. It was their task. It was their job, and part of that tithe, the tithe went to them. But Abraham willingly gives to Melchizedek. Willingly gives. But this man, who does not have his descent from them, in other words, he's not of the tribe of Levi, Uh, does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham, and blessed him who had the promises. Abraham had the promises. He was the one blessed by God. God had made him the promises of a descendant, and that his descendants would be as many as the stars of the heavens, He had promised him the land. In other words, Melchizedek was so great, he was greater than Abraham who had received the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. Melchizedek was superior to Abraham. He was superior to Abraham. Okay? Superior. Um, The inferior does not bless the superior. Okay? 
Now, so Melchizedek collects it freely. from Abraham. But now we start getting into the whole thing. Melchizedek is not from Levi. God's word established that the priests had to be from Levi. Okay? Melchizedek was greater than Abraham and the entire Levitical priesthood Now, in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, the tithe is described. The tithe was given after the harvest. Okay? After the harvest. The Israelites agreed that the amount of harvest they receive was the gift from God. Therefore, they offered the tenth, the tithe, to the priests who offered it to God in thanksgiving for the blessing of the harvest. Abraham offers to Melchizedek the tithe to offer to God in thanksgiving for the victory he obtained over the kings. So it was just according to the order of the tithe. Okay. Now, verse 8. In the one case... Tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. In other words, what's being said is the tithes were offered to God by men from Levi who died. The tithe of Abraham was offered to God by Melchizedek, and he was alive, and still is alive. Okay? Other priests died. God says so. So, just as Jesus Christ rose from the dead and is still alive, so is Melchizedek. Isn't this fun? God does this just to remind us we are not very smart. We are not as smart as we think we are. Okay? So, just as Jesus lives... Melchizedek lives. No mention of the death of Melchizedek in Genesis, Psalms, or Hebrews. None. 
Then verses 9 and 10. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Do you get what he's saying? Levi paid tithes to Melchizedek because he was in the loins of Abraham and hadn't even been born yet. Hadn't even been born yet. And yet was paying tithes to Melchizedek. Now, that's that's what's being said here. Now we get into another section here, still on Melchizedek, where we have to remember two things. The first thing to remember is God's word stands. The priests were from Levi. They couldn't be from any other tribe in Israel, or they were considered illegitimate. Rule number two, God can change the rules anytime he wants, okay? (laughs) He can change the rules anytime he wants. He can do something new, something different. All right, so let's go to 711. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to rise out of the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron. The Levites were seen as the people, the priests that the people went to to gain access to God, to offer sacrifices of atonement to God for their forgiveness. But they weren't perfect. Perfection was not obtained by offering animal sacrifices to God. And the Levitical priesthood themselves were at times corrupt and very sinful. Um, The sons of Levi, or Eli, were considered very wicked men, and God killed them and they were descendants of Levi. So there was corruption within this tribe. The point that's being made is, if perfection had been attained through Levi's line, through the order of Levi, 
then there wouldn't be any need to have another order by which perfection is attained. But God did order such a thing. Okay? He did order such a thing. Verse 12. For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. In other words, the word of the Lord determines it all. Okay? By the word of the Lord, Levi, the line of Levi, were to be the priests. Now, by the word of the Lord, the order of Melchizedek is the priest. Okay? 13. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. All right, so God had declared that the priests would be from the tribe of Levi. But Jesus Christ was from the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah. And nowhere in the Old Testament does it ever say that anyone from the tribe of Judah served at the altar. Never. So it would take a word from the Lord to bring this about. Verse 15. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, in other words, genealogy, but by the power of the indestructible life. Jesus Christ is the power of the indestructible life because he rose from the dead. So you don't want a priest who dies... You want a priest, a high priest, that lives forever and makes intercession for you forever. Which is what Jesus Christ, the high priest, does. For it is witnessed of him, that is Jesus, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside, the commandment that Levi should be the priests. Why? 
because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. The actual words are these. For on the one hand, a former commandment is abrogated. Abrogated. And a new hope is given. There could be no perfection before God, none through the Levitical priesthood. It was simply a foreshadowing of what God was going to ultimately do. What God now has done through the order of Melchizedek is give us a better hope. The new hope is in Jesus Christ, who is the indestructible life and who was raised from the dead and will be our high priest forever and will intercede for us forever. And this is one of the major themes of the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ is the new high priest. Okay? And that will be continued in further chapters. What does it say about Melchizedek? Not another word. We know nothing. We know nothing. Seventeen. Well, that was that was from Psalm one ten, verse four. That is God's declaration that something's going to change. So it is based. We didn't make this up. This is God's word of declaration in Psalm one ten four that things are going to change. Hebrews is just expounding on that. One verse, one verse, one verse, yeah, all based on that one verse. We have no clue about anything about Melchizedek after this time, but... I wouldn't go there. If he is, it's, uh, there's no, I don't know how you would interpret it that, or make a case for that in the text, okay, in the text itself. 
it's being talked about as reality. Leslie, you were next. It is an oral story that was passed down, uh, as most were. Uh, there was not that much written. It was passed down as oral tradition. Okay. Lori. Uh, yeah, and uh, the thing you have to remember is people back then actually paid attention because they didn't have that much writing. Some of them were not literate to begin with. And when someone told you something that was important, you remembered it. The genealogies in Genesis there was no writing. They passed them down by memory, okay, by memory. And so uh, they paid attention. And so this is part of the tradition that they, the people in, in, in Judah could not pick up and open up and say, well, here it is in the Old Testament up here. Mark? Okay. Okay. Correct. Okay. I love extra biblical. <laughs> yeah. There is a tradition that says Melchizedek was Shem, the son of Noah. I'm just telling you, just telling you, there is a tradition that thinks he was Shem. Obviously, God has retained people throughout history in all generations as his believers. It is always true. Elijah didn't think there were any left but him. And God said there are 7,000 left in Israel. So, um, again, there could have been believers from before Abraham, okay, at other, other locations. 
that God used. But that still causes us a problem because it says it's without father and without mother. Yes. Especially if he, the author of Hebrews, was writing to Jews. Now, we still have no clue who Melchizedek was. We can only define and describe him based on the little we know from Scripture. Nothing else. Yes. I think it is. So, so they, they didn't know what a priest was. Abraham must have. Abraham must have. And we don't know how. So that term priest of God most high was also used for Moses' father-in-law. Yeah, but Moses isn't even around yet. It was it was used. Uh, that term was used. Most of the time in Genesis, when you're getting, and even to chapter 14, the only reference to worship is, and they began to call on the name of the Lord. Or they called on the name of the Lord. That is the, the wording they use for scripture. I mean, for worship. That they were worshiping God. Okay? Now, what we're faced with here is this. We as 21st century people never like it when we're told we don't know. Everything can be figured out. Everything's logical. Everything's reasonable in our world. But this is God's. So uh, we, we cannot do anything but take Scripture at face value for what it is. We don't go beyond it, and we don't detract from it. This is who it says Melchizedek was. And we simply accept it as an article of faith, just like we accept that the scriptures are the inspired word of God. Okay? Just like we accept that it's the inspired word of God. Yes. It's from a different order. Uh, since the Levites died... God wanted to show us that we now have a high priest that will never die. Because this was a foreshadowing of that. Okay. And what's being said is that foreshadowing that there was something better coming, something better coming occurred all the way back to the time of Abraham. It's just we didn't realize it because God had not declared it and given us the description. 
on that phone. And sometimes you just study and study and study the Word of God. And the answer is, we in our finite minds do not fully understand this. And that's okay. Because it's God speaking to us about things that are beyond us. That's why when we get to heaven, I want to meet this guy. Okay? I want to meet this guy. But the one thing we don't say is, Melchizedek is identical with Jesus. We do not say that. Now, some try to go that far, but we do not usually say that. And with that, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.